Let me pray, and then I'll read the passage, and then um, I'm going to preach on this section of the Bible in Matthew. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we have eternal life because of our promised King and Savior, His work for us on the cross. We rejoice because you continue to speak to us. You are the living God, and Lord, we are your people, are sustained and guided by you in all that we do. Continue to help us by your grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak words of life and light to all, Father, that we have opportunity to share the truth of the Gospels. We pray that you'll be with us now as we listen to you in this passage of Scripture. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that will understand who Jesus is and what he's done in his plan. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Matthew chapter 16. We'll read from verses 13 to all the way to 23. Matthew 16, I'm starting from verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day, third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now nine years ago, I was part of the Proshikon training in Bangladesh. I was part of the Australian team that went on a short-term, five-week mission trip to that big country. Um, The team was composed of 16 men and women, and then a bigger group of Bangladeshi locals um, from different tribes of the country. Now, a big part of that time was spent in Birisiri, which is 200 kilometers north of Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh. One of the things I remember well was the visit, visits to the local villages. For two weeks, we woke up at 6 a.m. or even earlier. We praised and prayed together. Then each team went to their assigned villages. So we'll probably do two or three each day. And then at the end of that time, we probably visited over 40 and repeating that again and again, all those two. The Australian team walked with our Bangladeshi Christian brothers and sisters to share the gospel through the Bible stories. Um, Some of them you heard um, this morning. So we started from creation, and then we went all the way to Jesus, his death and resurrection, glorification. Well, it was the locals who actually did all the sharing. It was the foreigners who were the bait, or the attraction, to say it nicely. Now one morning, one of the teams stopped um, by a local shop. Um, They had time to enjoy some tea. 
Then a group of men confronted them. So this was a majority Muslim area. And this group of men confronted them saying, Why are you doing this? Why are you coming here daily and telling us stories from the Bible? It was a tense moment. But one of the Bangladeshi leaders said, Look, if God is real and He is our Creator and we are His children, shouldn't we be talking about Him more? That relieved the tension. And, and the work continued smoothly from that time forward. And it worked smoothly because one man stood up for his faith. Now, the passage today is firstly about the confession of Peter about who Jesus is. But it's also challenging us, are we ready to stand up for our faith? Are we committed to Jesus? Can you talk the talk? Do you walk the walk? So does our speech and action show we believe God? and all that he is for us in Jesus Christ. Here in this passage, Jesus confirmed his mission and his glorious purpose purpose for God's people. Now we're going to look at that in three headings. Um, number one, confused by Jesus. Number two, confessing Jesus. And number three, commitment to Jesus. Let's look at the first heading now, confused by Jesus. Let me read again from verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So Jesus was far away from Jerusalem, um, even in Gentile area. And he had an R&R with um, his friends. He referred to himself here as the Son of Man, which was his favorite way of doing so. And we know this as a reference to Daniel 7, where it says there, there was one like a Son of Man who was given authority, glory and power by God. But Jesus was not really asking about their theological position on or interpretation of Daniel 7. What's really happening here? Well, a few years ago, my brother-in-law introduced me to his good friend, Phil, um, via email. Phil was doing a around-the-world trip with his wife and two pre-teenage kids. This family needed accommodations to Hobart. So they were in Australia and they wanted to check out Tasmania. And as a single den, I had a small unit, and then I said, they can have my house, I'll, I'll rack up with one of my friends, and I, I did that. Then they wanted to go visit Launceston and all the northern um, parts of Tassie, so I spoke to my former church friends and, and former church friends in Olverston, and I asked them to take these friends in. So now it's a friend of a friend of a friend. Now my friend um, from Olverston later told me, Phil came to dinner with us the first night they were here. The first thing he did was he sat my wife and me down, and then he asked us, do you know who I am? That's really what's going on here, isn't it? But um, as we've been learning in Bible storying, perhaps, Jesus was using an indirect question. But it's a heads up. I'm going to ask you later a more direct question. Um, so Jesus, um, we will know this as we look at verse 15 later on. But for now, look at verse 14. Because here we see in clearly the confusion among the masses. And some, and so these are the answers. They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So this has been a while um, after some time in Jesus' ministry. From being the new kid on the block, Jesus became the talk of the town. And later on, he became the most popular influencer of the day. So everywhere he went, he was making an impact, but he was also confusing to people. They didn't really get him. The real teaching was happening in his inner circle, 
um, his disciples or his closest. So there's still a lot of confusion of what is he on about. And I want to tell you that even today, it's the same way. 2,000 years later, many people, even probably those who come to church, are still confused about Jesus. Most everyday Aussies know Jesus only as a swear word. Some might give him a level of respect, yes, but for some in this cultural tension that we're, that's now brewing in our midst, Jesus is the trigger that makes their blood boil, and people can easily lash out uh, when they find out you're, you're a follower of Jesus, and they'll start listing down what do you believe about this and this and this, what do your Bible say about this, and then they can cancel you quickly. The same um, Confusion is found in, in Islamic and in Jewish and other religious writings. Jesus was a prophet, yes, but he was second to someone else. Or Jesus was just a man. Or some of the new atheists will even deny that Jesus even existed. So there's a lot of confusion, confusion happening even to this date. And even what we heard from our Bible story, Jesus' body was stolen. He, was never, he never rose from the dead. So pick your poison. Perhaps some of us here um, do not have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, being in a church is the best place to be. Some of our teenagers, perhaps, are going through that, what they call crisis of faith. Don't try to look for answers outside the church. The answers are right here. Let Jesus tell you who he is, not the world, but Jesus in the Bible. So it's a challenge for us to, to continue to wrestle with, with the questions that we have, even as we struggle to, to know more about this Jesus. Here's the invitation, isn't there? Come to Jesus as you are. Jesus was freely inviting people to come to him even then. And he's still inviting us today to do so. Don't be confused. The good news is Jesus accepts, accepts us as we are. We can come to him with all our warts and wrinkles and warped ideas of him because when we come to him, he then transforms us so that our confusion turns into confession. That's our next heading, confessing Jesus. Look at verse 15 with me. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Notice how the son of man is now simply I. Um, so there's a, this important bit of Jesus asking them directly. The first one was an indirect question. Now it was addressed directly to the disciples. The person, the, sorry, the question got personal. Forget the gossip out there. Um, ignore the chit-chat happening around. Don't listen to the rumors. Who am I to you? Who am I to you? Um, it would seem perhaps that um, suddenly there were a lack of answers because they were ready to answer when Jesus was asking who do people say I am? And lots of answers happened quickly. And now, I don't know if there was a moment of silence. Or perhaps we can understand it this way, that Peter was uh, already a leader among the 12, and he was their spokesperson, and he was speaking for all of them. So Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. <clears throat> so we already have three titles of Jesus right here. And um, the Son of Man, Son of the living God, and the Christ. We'll focus on what the passage focuses on, because in verse 20, it's all about Christ's Christness that's mentioned. So both Son of Man and Son of the Living God are important, theological and deep, um, but we'll focus on what Christ really means. And it goes without saying, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Um, it's not 
capital N. It's not a swear word either. Um, Christ um, is a title. As a title, it doesn't say much, does it? It's just a transliteration from the Greek language, Christos, Greek, Christ, English. It's not a bad translation, but it doesn't say much on its own. And, and Christ is really the Greek word, an equivalent word to the Hebrew word, Messiah. And perhaps some of you have a different translation, and they start using the um, Messiah these days because it's a well-known Old Testament um, theme, the the, the search for the Messiah. The Jewish people are still searching for their Messiah. So it's more theological loaded. And, and, and again, it has to be explained. Messiah in the Bible literally means anointed, anointed one. In, in 1953, perhaps some of you remember this. Um, I only saw this on, in the photo pictures. Queen Elizabeth II was crowned um, the Queen of England. And, and, and she was appointed to the royal throne of the British Empire. She was assigned to that office, and the way they did it was to put a diamond, the diamond diadem. I don't know if you're familiar with her crown that they put on her. And this diamond diadem was decorated with 1,333 diamonds. So something similar is happening when someone's called a messiah. Someone is appointed to an office. But unlike the lavishness of the queen's coronation, um, you only need a simple flask of oil to anoint a messiah we heard in the bible story the anointing of jesus when he was baptized and and then the anointing of the holy spirit came to him so um being a messiah in the old testament is god empowering somebody to do the work that he has given him to do so hopefully that's a more complete picture a picture that's not analog nor digital but 4k uh, the, the christ is the Messiah who is the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one, because he has been set apart to do something very special. And what will, what's this special mission that he's on? He was going to save people, and he has saved people from their sins. So there's a lot of ways that we can um, describe what Christ is. Perhaps uh, contemporary ways, the promised king, that's a good way of saying it, or the promised deliverer because that was his work, delivering people from their sins, or what I said in the Bible story, the promised Savior. All that are more, um, I guess, easy to understand um, than simply Christ. It it takes a while for for Christians to to really get into the depth of what Christ is, and I'm just scratching this. This is a high point in the gospel narrative so far, but this is only K2. We're still getting to Mount Everest um, later on in the gospel, the gospel of Matthew. But for the confession to be clear, Peter was saying, you are the promised Savior. That's what this confession means. Um, Jesus then blesses Peter, um, and the idea of Jesus' mission was even made clearer. And his glorious purpose for us as God's people. Jesus was gathering God's people. Um, we were lost, and he found us. So Peter was on to something. And he got it from God himself. This is our confession. As Christians today, this is what we believe. That Jesus died and rose again for our You see, we were the sheep, confused and scattered. And our shepherd gathered us and are gathering us and are leading us. We are the broken. He is the healer. We are but dust. But Jesus is the substance of all that is. We are unworthy sin. He's the glorious promised Savior. So the question is, who is Jesus to you? Is he still your vending machine for, for your every need? 
So forget the gossip out there. Ignore the chit-chat. Don't listen to the rumors going around. Is Jesus your Savior? Come to Him today. If you haven't made that, with your mouth confess that Jesus is Lord. As we confess Jesus, our lives are transformed so that it shows our commitment to Him. That's our last heading, commitment. Let's read verse 17. And Jesus answered Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. It's very high praise um, from Jesus to Peter. Um, a, a, a Bible college professor admits, Look, I've marked so many theological papers and essays, but never have I graded anyone by saying, Blessed are you, O Bible college student. Um, he, he has acknowledged many good insights from theological students um, in the many years teaching. But never has he said to anyone, blessed are you for, for getting that right. Peter here gets high marks from Jesus. This, this tells us um, something that needs to happen. There's what we call the new birth. God has to open our eyes to the reality of Jesus. How does he do that? And, and, and the Bible's answer is, um, it's through the preaching of the word. How can they hear without anyone telling them in Romans? And, then, and yet, we shouldn't make the mistake that I should just sit down and wait. No, there is a sense where God wants us to use all our senses to acknowledge him and to know of his saving work. And that's why our commitment as Christians is to continue to tell Bible stories, perhaps, invite people to church, invite people in your homes, meet people on the street and and share the great news of a Savior being um, born and having lived and having died and having risen again for you. Jesus was not just about the glory and the beauty and the fame and the accolades because his saving work involved a bloody death. Um, We read this in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. This is what a savior meant, at least for Jesus. Peter got high marks before, didn't he? But when Jesus gave him this new information, Peter would have none of it. So instead of a blessing, he got rebuked for shushing Jesus. From an ace, he got an egg. From K2, he landed on grounds. We shouldn't be too hard on Peter because this is us, isn't it? But it also gives us hope because we don't always get it right as Christians. If there's a room in the Christian life, it's room for improvement. Peter was one time blessed in the next instant was cursed by Jesus. These are strong words to be said, get behind me. I think I read this in the King James Version. I was reading the ESV, but I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I grew up in the King James, so (laughs) that just came out naturally. So Peter's idea of a promised savior, Savior is Jesus taking on his armor, his heavenly armor, and like a gladiator or a warrior, sweeping away the Roman oppressors of Israel at that time. That was his standard. That was the Jewish standard for the Messiah that they've been longing for for a long time so that the Jewish people will stand up again and rise. They want a David beating a Goliath, a king victorious over his enemies, a leader who wins the war. The war, but here on earth. Now James and John um, in in, um, Mark 10 and in Matthew 20 also had the same idea as Peter had. And um, at one time, they elbowed their way up to Jesus and, and got his attention, and they asked for Jesus to give them special places when Jesus actually gets the glory that he deserves, when he gets the authority that he 
has already. And, and, and um, instead, they were also rebuked by Jesus. For they were warned by Jesus, challenged by Jesus. Are you ready to go through the same hardships I will go through? Are you ready to go through the suffering I will go through? The Bible is clear. The greatest enemy is sin. That's what we need saving from. Because all sin deserves God's righteousness. But the amazing story of the Bible, the amazing story of God in this is that he is kind. He forgives us because someone paid the price for all the transgression, all the sin that has been committed by us. Then he gives us a glorious purpose as a church. He gathers us to himself and then he sends us out to be the preachers and teachers and the healers in this world. We have so much to offer to the world. And as we grow in the Christian life, we learn more about Jesus, his person, his promises, and his purpose in the Bible. Um, in the slide here, there are, um, Elijah and I counted this a while ago. There are 25 names of Jesus. And if you ask Elijah, he'll easily add more because he's been singing songs. He looked at his Bible. They didn't put this there. They didn't put this there. Exalted one, holy one of Israel. So many other names that um, you can add. You can easily double this. But, but what's the purpose of all this name, all these titles? Well, at least one purpose, it gives us hope and comfort that Jesus already knew what he was. That God in Jesus Christ has everything for us ready so that we won't be um, lost and scattered and hopeless and confused about his work. He's all this, but he's also the Christ. He is the Savior. These are all important themes of his work. And it's important in continuing to grow us in faith when we are committed to Jesus. Everything is centered in a bloody cross where Jesus suffered and died. As Christians, we shouldn't expect anything less. The Christian life is not a bed of roses, but a crown of thorns. Not a red carpet treatment, but a path paved with suffering. It's not a dance to rock and roll music. No, it's bare, bare feet on a rocky road. This is to remind us that our commitment to Jesus must withstand hardships and suffering, and even death, if we are called upon. The good news is, even our suffering is not punishment for any, because all punishment of sin has been paid for in Jesus when we are united to him in faith. So all our suffering is just the way of the flesh, the way of our fallenness. And perhaps we've sinned greatly and there are consequences, but Christ's love assures us that we will be held by God's everlasting. So the good news is, Jesus is for us all through and through. That was his mission from the beginning, to gather a people from and no one and pluck us out of God the Father. So that's double strong promise in the Father and the Son. Brothers and sisters, are you still confused about Jesus? Or if you're a visitor here today, are you confused about Jesus? If you're not a Christian um, visiting us today, don't let the Christian sitting next to you go away until you're clear about who Jesus is and what he I pray today is the day of salvation for you and that like many of us, you too will confess and commit to this Jesus, our promised Savior. And if you're a Christian here this morning, take every opportunity to talk Jesus up. Wherever you're living, your neighborhood, if you're in university, if you're working, at home, release, continue to talk Jesus up. I pray your confession of Jesus is seen in your commitment, even here as you serve this church and this community with the gospel, the gospel that needs to be, be proclaimed everywhere. And God is with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Christ, our King who delivered us from our greatest enemy and saved us from our greatest problem, which is facing your own righteous anger. 
please continue to help us, forgive us of so many um, shortcomings, weaknesses, Lord, even habits, Lord, that continue to hinder us from enjoying uh, the fullness of your salvation. Help us to continue the fight with the sword of the Spirit, Lord. In prayer, yeah, to be more like Christ. We thank you for the joy um, that it is in believing. And we thank you for the sure hope that we have because we belong to you through Jesus. And yes, Father, give us a faith that will um, be ever generous, especially to the work of missionaries around the world. And of course, Lord, your uh, work right here in Bendigo, where many people are confused by Jesus. They need to know him, and it must come from us when we speak and proclaim the gospel to them. Grant us grace to believe, to continue to believe, and to continue the work that Jesus has started and has given to us. In his name we pray. Amen.